Hi, this is Connor from Fireside Church. Thank you for listening to Fireside Church messages. If you want to learn more about our church or what we're doing during this time to stay connected, visit our website, firesidechurch.org. Enjoy the message. Hey, Fireside, hope you're doing well. I'm just so excited to be here this morning, and we have a little bit of a different morning uh, for you guys, or afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this, you're going to hear uh, Kate's voice and you can hear Connor's voice as we conclude this series called Journey to Jesus. And actually, today is more about the journey with Jesus. We are going to take a two week break in the next two uh, weeks, and that means that we, our online gatherings are going to be suspended, taking a break, and our tables are going to take a break as we gear up for the fall. And the reason we want to do this is because we want to maintain these rhythms. We want to refresh and revamp and kind of uh, restore what we are doing as a church. And so we are going to try some new things as we launch in September. And we're still in this pandemic. And usually Labor Day signifies a kind of a change in rhythms. And this year, if you're like me, you're feeling it all kind of like blends together. So we wanted to pause and get hard at work to kind of come up with what we believe would be the best thing moving forward for our church in terms of our online gatherings, our tables, and all the other things. But as we conclude our journey with to Jesus, I just wanted to to share a little bit about um, this kind of this concept, and Kate's going to talk more about it. And I was thinking about journeys, and Kate and I have been talking about this a little bit. And so many times we are so fixated on a destination. I remember years ago going on a hike with some of my students, and we were um, back in the youth group days. We would go up to the White Mountains, we'd go on a camping trip. And, a, and one of these particular trips, we went hiking to Zealand Falls up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And we get out and it's about a three and a half mile loop or, or hike there and back. And, and we go and we're walking around this like just beautifully, this beautiful river that's flowing. And conversations are just so rich on these hikes. If you've ever hiked, that's one of the, my favorite things is just being out away from technology and in nature and just kind of having, you know, conversations. And we ended up at this little waterfall and we had lunch there and we came back. And I remember when we got back, one of the students came to me. He's like, I don't understand. What was the point of that? I said, what do you mean? We just ended up where we started. We didn't go anywhere. They were so used to, like me and you are used to, when we are on a journey, that there is a place to get to, that there is a destination, the next level in life, whatever that may be. And so I started to explain to them, well, no, that the, the journey itself is the destination. Didn't you enjoy going by this river? Didn't you enjoy the conversations and that waterfall? It was amazing. The journey itself is the reason that we, that, that we did it, not to get back to where we started. And I think so many times we have the same approach to life that we're asking Jesus, you know, when am I going to arrive? When am I, are we going to get to our destination? And Jesus is saying, don't you get it? It's journeying with me. That's what life is all about. I think David beautifully articulates this concept in one of the most famous psalms in Psalm 23. 
You may know it really well, or you may have heard of it, but this is David that says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. First, a shepherd leads sheep around to different feeding grounds, protects them. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters and restores my soul. It sounds like David's like talking about a hike. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. What a beautiful image of God leading us on this journey. And sometimes it's by quiet waters and green pastures, but sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death. And even then, he is with us. And even then, he will protect us and guide us. It's the journey with Jesus that's our destination. I'm going to hand it over to Kate, who's going to dive a little bit more into this concept. Hey there, Fireside. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Just wanted to share a few thoughts, just some things I've been thinking about as we've been talking about these journeys to Jesus. Um, it got me thinking about something I started doing when things shut down in March, which is walking. And it's not that I never took walks prior to the pandemic, but when it became my only chance to get out of the house, to be alone, to think, it went super high on the priority list and it was something that I started doing more regularly. And it just got me thinking, there's something about a walk. There's something about the pace and the nature of a walk that um, lends itself to noticing things and hearing things. You know, when I take a walk, I, I am going slow enough that I can see maybe what my neighbors are, are doing on their house, that they're painting their house or they're planting a garden. I can notice changes in this field by our house that in the spring started to turn green and then one day all of a sudden it was filled with flowers and I never noticed that stuff when I would drive past it, but a walk gives you the pace that lets you notice things. And walking is also great for conversation. For me, I'm always kind of worried someone is gonna stumble upon me talking like a crazy person to no one, but my walks are where I talk to God, where I process things with Him. Um, and just in general, talking while walking is, is much easier than when you're on a bike or when you're running. We have kind of a major bike route outside of our house and we see bikers going by all the time. And they're yelling at each other and trying to keep conversation going, but the pace is too quick, it's, it's, it's too loud, and walking is just quiet. It lets you um, hear the person better. And a lot of times when I walk, most times, I, I don't have a destination in mind. I don't even necessarily know where I'm gonna go as I'm walking. Sometimes I turn left, sometimes I go right. It depends on what kind of route I want, how long I wanna be out, if I wanna go through the woods or not. And it got me thinking about my relationship with God and how often 
I am destination oriented with him, that my walk with him is kind of a desire to get somewhere or have him fix something or do something. And instead, I think I'm learning to be more focused on the walk, that as I release what I'm looking for from him, as I release all the things I think I want and need, I am free to just walk, to just be with him. The book of John talks about this. John chapter 15, Jesus is walking with his followers. It is nighttime. It's actually the night where he is going to die on the cross and he's having this important conversation with them before it all starts to unfold. And he is telling them about how he is the vine and we are the branches and that we need to abide in him. And this word abide, it means to dwell, to live in, um, to, to stay with. I like how I'm gonna read it to you in the message version. John 15 verse four says, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. I think the NIV says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And there are destinations. There are things in life that God is calling us to. There's purpose. There are things that he wants us to arrive at, but I wonder how much he just really wants us to focus on the walk with him. A lot of my experience in my relationship with Jesus is that he just shows me the next step. He shows me what's absolutely right next. And then when we get there, he shows me the next step and then the next step. It's never, it's never the roadmap. And as much as I would, my, you know, my control need in me wants to see the big plan, it's almost never that. It's, it's just the next step in front of me. I was thinking about traveling and, you know, when we were in a time when you could take trips and one of the first trips I ever took by myself, I was 15 years old and I visited kind of a youth leader, mentor, friend who lived in Chicago. And when I went on that trip, I did not research Chicago. I did not get a travel book and look up all the best restaurants and figure out what I was gonna do on each day and what the best weather was to go to Lake Michigan. I didn't look up anything. I didn't prepare a plan um, for that trip because I was going to visit a local. I was visiting someone who had lived there her whole life. And so all I wanted to do was stay with her and just be with her, follow her around, talk with her, walk around, see where she wanted to take me because that's the best way to visit a place is to be with a local that can show you all the best stuff. And so that's exactly what that weekend was. It was all the best restaurants and like hidden gems and it was all kind of, oh, we're passing this right now, let's pop in here or just around this corner. And we were free to just be together and have her show me whatever I needed to see at that time. And I feel like this is exactly the excitement and the joy and the heart behind walking with Jesus is that he will show us 
when we abide with him, when we live in him and stay with him, he will show us exactly what we need to see and that when we are in the pace of walking, we can hear his voice, we can notice things um, when we've slowed down to do that. And I think right now, you know, a lot of us are asking, what, where are we headed? Where are we headed into this fall? What is the journey gonna be like? And I'm just believing him to be faithful, to show us the next step, to show us what is the next step for our work? What's the next step for our kids with school? What is the next step for, for Fireside? How do we pursue our mission as a church when things look different? What's the next step for our family? All of these things, I'm just believing him to show us what the very next step is when, when we know that he has been faithful to do that. And when I focus on abiding, when I focus on just walking with him, on the joy it is just to be with him, on the slowing down, on the pace, focus more on the, on the experience of the walk and less on the destination, that is where the freedom is, that is where the peace is, that is where the joy is. And so I hope this encourages you. I know this has been um, on my heart a lot these past couple weeks and I just hope it brings you some encouragement to know that he's just inviting us to abide. He's just inviting us to come on the walk and to just be with him, to just allow him, you know, when you have a guide, you don't need a map. And so just allowing him to be our guide, to show us the next step and to be with us every, every step of that way. And so I just wanted to share those with you. We love you. Thanks so much. I'm Connor. I'm the worship director here at Fireside. I know most of you, if I don't know you, hopefully I can meet you soon. Uh, maybe tonight at the uh, worship night, little, uh, little plug there. Hopefully you can come out. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we're in this series, Journey to Jesus. And this morning, uh, I get the privilege to kind of share with you a little bit about my journey with Jesus. Um, it's going to be a little snapshot of what God's kind of speaking to me right now. You know, we're all in a journey. And there's, there's ups and downs. And right now, lately, I've just been really wrecked by... Um, yeah, just what God's been speaking to me and realizing how I've been looking at a lot of things the wrong way. Um, the heart of my message is this, this morning. God loves you. God loves you, that's it. Uh, I've been finding that my focus has been more on my love for God, what I can do for God, and not enough just on the simple truth that He loves me. And he's shown me that focusing on my love for God is really the way of the old covenant. But focusing on God's love for us, that's what the gospel is all about. Um, it might sound really simple to some of you. It might sound really cliche. It might not sound convicting. It might sound fluffy. But I just want to challenge you that I believe this is one of the most convicting messages there is. That God loves you and we can't spend enough time taking in this truth we can't spend enough time building up our faith in this simple statement that god loves you so i'm going to read this morning from first john chapter 4 starting at verse 10 i encourage you to read along on your phone 
on your Bible, that's 1 John, not John, but 1 John chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 10. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And for the one who remains in love, remains in God. And God remains in him. In this Love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. I hope that this can set some of us free this morning. We love because he first loved us. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not about our love for God. It's about his love for us. Now, our love for God, that's what the old covenant was. The Old Testament, the way of the law. Now, in the way of the law, Jesus summarizes the law with these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. You notice it's all about your love for God, your love for others. It was all about do these commandments, follow these rules, follow these guidelines so that you can be righteous. The law isn't personal. The law isn't forgiving. It does its job. It merely shows where things hit the mark and where things miss the mark. Now, here's the problem with the law. No one was counted as righteous. No one could be righteous by the law. We all have sin. We all fall short. We all miss the mark. Sin comes from this archery, this word used in archery that means to miss the mark. It's what sin is. It's trying to strive at the law and missing it. But here's the good news. The word gospel means good news. And the good news, the gospel, is that we're not in that covenant anymore. That God sent his son because he loved the world to live a perfect life and die in our place to take on our sins so that we could take his righteousness. So the new covenant, it's not about our love for God anymore. I think a lot of us feel like we need to love God so that he loves us. And we're like, yeah, if we're good, if we love God, then he'll love us. And maybe we take a little bit of that gospel, that grace that, yeah, he loves us even though we're sinners. But like we have to love him. We got we to gotta do these things and then we can receive his love. But the gospel is this, that 
he loved first. We love because he loved. Not he loves because we love him. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that he loves us because, or that we love him because he loved us first. His love comes first. His love comes first. Like God loves you. That he loved you on your good days. He loves you on your bad days. He loved you yesterday. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow. He loves you when you sleep in. He loves you when you're not kind to those around you. He loves you when you're dishonest at work. He loves you when you explode in anger at your family or your friends. You hold bitterness towards someone or you don't forgive someone. He loved you when you got drunk. He loved you when you were chasing lust, when you were chasing greed, when you were chasing pride, when you were putting money in front of him, when you were putting fame or yourself in front of him. He loved you in all those moments. He loved you as a sinner. God loved you. Some of us might want to put a caveat in there. And we're like, oh, that just doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound fair. Don't people need to do something to earn his love? God's just out there loving all these bad people? That doesn't sound fair. But the gospel is not fair. The gospel is Jesus came down, became a man, lived a perfect life, and then died. Died. Now, death was the consequence of sin. So why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus die? Not because of his own sin. No, he took on our sin. He took on the sin of the world. Because he loved us first. Without us doing anything, he loved us first. Took on our sin and died and overcame death so that we could take his righteousness. It's not fair. It's not fair. But that's the gospel. That's the good news. We have to spend time in that truth. We have to receive that truth. I need to spend more time in that truth that God loves me and I don't get better from striving more working more being stuck in this law I need to measure up uh, we get better we become more like Christ by resting more in the truth that he loved us first by resting more in the gospel and having faith in what he's done that's how we produce a, a better life not through our own striving but through our faith in what he did because when we just think we can earn it all on our own, we're really not believing that what he did on the cross was enough. We think we got to get rid of our sin, but then we're not believing that he paid for it. It says, love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, when someone sinned, they would bring an animal sacrifice, a lamb, to the high priest. And the high priest would examine the lamb for any blemishes. He would make sure it was a pure, clean lamb. And the person would put their hand on the lamb. When they slaughtered the lamb, there was this idea that the lamb was taking on the person's sin and dying in their place. And the person was in turn taking the lamb's righteousness. Now Jesus is called the Lamb. He is the atoning sacrifice for us. When he died on the cross, he took on all of our sin. He 
put that all on himself and paid the price for us. And then in turn, he gave us his righteousness. So then when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness on us. That's not fair. We're tempted to live in this thing of, it's about my love for God, because we're tricked into thinking that's more selfless. Because there's been this false idea of God loves me and this idea of like you're perfect just the way you are and God loves you and do whatever you want and it gets kind of toted around and used as an excuse for people just living a selfless life. That's not what God's love is about. And in actuality, this way of life of, you know, living for, living focused on my love for God, that's not selfless. That's selfish. That's thinking you can earn it on your own. It's not trusting that he did it for you. Receiving God's love, living in a place receiving God's love, that's selfless. That's focused fully on Christ and what he did. The law, religion, your own love, it just produces striving. It makes us feel like I need to be better, I need to be better, I need to be better. It can produce guilt and insecurity in us or it can produce pride in us. Either we feel like, man, I'm just awful, I'm horrible. Or we feel like we, we trick ourselves into thinking, you know what, I am righteous. I, I am. I am good enough. I am counted by the law. But living under the gospel, living in grace, receiving God's love, that produces humility. We're humbled by him more than anything else. It produces gratitude, produces faith. And faith is what produces a life change. Faith is what changes our lives. You can strive, you can try, you're never gonna be righteous on your own. But when we receive God's love, when we really put our faith in that, that's when transformation comes. So I just invite you today to put more faith in God's love, to just spend time receiving God's love for you. It's not vain. It's not self-centered. It's what God wants. He loves you first. Rest in that fact. We have this saying that goes around a lot, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I've said it before, and there's some truth in it, but here's the problem with it. The New Testament never calls a believer a sinner. I know. <laughs> never. Not once. Calls unbelievers sinners. But once people are saved, calls them chosen ones, calls them saints, calls them children of God, sons and daughters, children of God. Now, sinner is an identity based on what you've done. But child is an identity based on whose you are. That's what our identity is in. It's in God's love for us. That's what our identity should be in, in what he's done for us. The, the recipe to, to living a better life isn't this striving, but it's just resting more in that truth. I saw this uh, quote earlier today. I was kind of getting distracted from prepping for this sermon and I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw this 
quote, it blew me away because it was so much of what I'm talking about. And it said, the religion is, man, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. But that the gospel is, man, I messed up. I got to call my dad. I just thought that was a beautiful picture. That when we really have this conviction that God loves us first, there's no more fear. We're not afraid of punishment. We don't try to hide our sin. We don't try to act righteous or, or be all prideful or put on a nice exterior. But then we just go, I'm, I'm, I'm in need of saving. We're humble. We say, God, come, come help me. We, we keep running back to him. Hey, thanks, Connor. And um, I want to close with a story that um, I've told before. Um, I've told the students. It was one of my last uh, messages that I gave at my previous church. And this is Drew. You know, Hydra, I'm actually going to put him right here in a little uh, tricycle so I can walk him back and forth. Um, but it, it's a story of a, a tandem bike ride and there's an unknown author to it. And, and as we head into the song, I just want you to think about yourself and where you would be on that bike ride with Jesus. And so it goes like this. It goes that there's a tandem bike and let's say your your life is like uh, you are on a tandem bike and it starts off with you are at the front and you are pedaling, you're doing the work and you are also driving this bike. And you have some good days and you have some bad days, but you realize that, you know, life is hard and tandem bikes are not meant to be powered alone. And so you're going up a hill and maybe this hill represents a struggle in your life. So many people, you know, come to Jesus or ask, invite Jesus into their life when they're in desperate. And so maybe you're on a hill and you see Jesus on the side of the road and Jesus kind of says, hey, do, do you mind if I jump on? Do, do you mind if I come into your life? And you look at your back seat and you think, well, I have room and I could sure use the help. Why not? And so Jesus jumps on the back of your bike and you start going and you start going on this road of life. And things are a little bit easier. Now, Jesus says, "Your bird, my burden is light, you know. He is our comforter, our refuge, and you see that come through as you're riding this bike, and pretty soon Jesus kind of says, you know, wh why don't you take this road, or why don't you go left instead of right, and you start thinking, well, that way is a little bit harder. I kind of want to take the easy way, but you trust him, and he's kind of like the ultimate backseat driver, and is telling you where to go. And, and sometimes you listen and sometimes you don't. And when you do, you realize that at first it seems bumpy, but ultimately it was the most refreshing and rebuilding part. And you start to learn to trust him. And so as you're going along on this journey, finally Jesus says, hey, what if you give me an opportunity to, uh, to drive this bike, to, to drive your life? And maybe you people are right there. There's this Holy Spirit that's speaking to you and it's been driving you, but you, you haven't been ready to give him the steering wheel, the front seat. So you think about it and you say, all right, why not? Pull over. Jesus gets in the front of the bike. You're in the back. And poof, off you are. 
And he starts taking you to places that you couldn't even imagine, places that you didn't even know existed, places that you didn't think you could possibly get to on a bicycle. He makes a way when there is no way. And he takes you through the valleys, but he also takes you on the mountaintops. And when you're going down and things are rough and you're getting scared, he looks back and he just takes you by the hand. And all he says is just keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. I'm with you. Do you trust me? And you go through these uh, rivers, over these rivers, and you see these beautiful sunsets. And, and sometimes you get too afraid and you say, just no, 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 let, let me steer this one. You know, this is a little bit too much for me and back and forth. So with that analogy, where are you on that bike ride? And for, for some, you're probably in each moment, you're, you're sometimes you're driving, sometimes he's driving, he's in the backseat, sometimes he's not even on the bike. And, and, and this, I feel like, is such a good analogy for our life with Jesus. And what my hope and my prayer is for myself, but is for you, that the, the longer and longer, the more and more we get to know Jesus, the more and more we are willing to give up the front seat of the bike and have him steer. And for us, just to pedal and to trust him and to guide us, because he leads us through green pastures and by quiet waters, but he also walks us through the valley, the shadow of death, and he is with us through all of it. And remember that life is not a matter of when I arrive. Life is a matter of growing where you are planted. Living now, no matter if you're in a valley or, or a mountain, not about about destination it's about the journey so as we go into this break continue continue to seek God and use this time as a personal reflection let me pray for us Lord thank you for who you are and for being willing to take our lives and to lead us and to guide us through the good and through the hard knowing that you are with us always Lord we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll see you guys soon.